The following is audio from Fellowship Community Church in Centennial, Colorado. If you would like more resources or want to support this ministry, please visit www.fcchurch.org. So good to be together this morning. So good to be back home. I uh, flew to Raleigh, Durham, Ben and I, and then we drove to Lynchburg. We went into the little cabin we rent there, and it has a big yard, so we ate some wings. And then we went out in the yard and played baseball. That's what Johns do. Even the three-year-old can hit. We're very happy to see that. When the six-year-olds start hitting wiffle balls over the house, we know these kids have better potential than we had. They might end up better than their parents, you know. And their grandparents. So it was a lot of fun. That's, what, that's, what, that's part of one of the things we love to do. And when we gather together as God's people, we love to celebrate. We love to worship. We love to hear the Word of God. We love to pray for one another. You know, Jude says it very interestingly. He says in his letter, we need to contend for the faith. And the very end of his letter, he says, we need to keep ourselves in the love of God. And so you ask yourself the question, how can I keep myself in the love of God? Well, He also says in that passage, build each other up in the faith, build yourself up in the faith, and pray in the Spirit. Those things will help to keep us in the love of God. And he's writing to people who had to contend for the faith. We are contending for the faith, aren't we? And when we gather together, I woke up early this morning, listened to Alistair Begg, and what a great preacher he is there from Cleveland. And he said, The greatest expression of humanity on the earth is when God's people gather together to worship. Isn't that true? The greatest demonstration of what real humanity is supposed to be is when we gather together and we worship the Lord. And it's such a blessing to be able today to be together here to worship the Lord Jesus Christ and to celebrate him. And it's wonderful to have the age groups here. It's wonderful to hear little children. And, and it's just great. And we, we thank God for it. Well, we pray in the Spirit. And our brother Eduardo Castillo is battling COVID. He is in the hospital in Costa Rica on a ventilator. His situation has gotten worse this week, and uh, he really needs our prayers. We sent some money to help encourage him, but more than anything, brothers and sisters, Eduardo, our dear friend who was just on a video, just before I left, we showed a video. I thought Eduardo's put on some weight, but you know, if, if I showed my video, he'd say the same of me. So, but he's, he's really in grave shape. Um, he's improved slightly. He was moved to a hospital, but they made the decision with his consent to put him on a ventilator. So let's pray for Eduardo right now, okay? Dear Lord Jesus, we just lift up our brother, Eduardo Castillo. We thank you, Lord, for what a great servant of God he is. We thank you, Lord, for how you've used him within Cresce ministry for many years. And Lord, you know all about his physical condition. And we forget none of your benefits. You are the one who heals all our diseases. It, It doesn't matter where it comes from how it comes. It never surprises you. And we just pray for Eduardo as we pray the armor of God upon him. And we ask you, Lord, that in this spiritual battle, he will be victorious. 
whether by life or by death, but we plead for his life. We plead, O God, that you might heal his body, and Lord, that we might all give praise that we had a part in praying for him. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to talk today about friendship as we conclude our study of Proverbs. We said wisdom is skillful living that honors God. That's a beautiful way to describe the Hebrew word hokmah. And um, we're going to talk about friends. So Proverbs 18, 24, King James says, a man that has friends must show himself friendly. And, and that's pretty obvious, isn't it? I mean, if, if you're going to have friends, if you're going to have to be friendly. You're going to learn the skills of being a friend. And that's some of what Solomon talks about in, in this. You know, we have a crisis in America. We have many crises, but one of them is people are lonely. It doesn't matter how many friends they have on their Facebook list or their Instagram, they feel loneliness. And we are seeing Solomon speak right into this. I'm glad you asked. Does Solomon have anything to say about friendship? Yes, he does. I'm glad you asked. So we're going to scratch the surface. There's more that we could look at. You can study it more extensively. But just in general terms, let me tell you that the principle is pretty obvious. If you want friends, you got to be one. There are two Hebrew words translated friend in, in Proverbs. One of them can be a close friend or only an acquaintance. It has a very broad meaning. It could be someone who's just a neighbor or someone who's an acquaintance. And you know what's really exciting is an acquaintance today might be a good friend tomorrow, right? I mean, as you grow in relationships with other people, you can develop friendships. And the second word that we find in some of our verses today just simply means one who loves. And a friend loves. And so we're asking the question, and we're going to seek to answer it, or this is our statement. In Proverbs, we find three steps you can take to cultivate a healthy friendship. All right, three very simple steps. These are not the most profound things you've ever heard in your life, but they are from God's Word, and so we need to take them seriously. So the first step is this. A true friend loves their friends. <laughs> okay. Wow, that's really profound, isn't it? A true friend loves their friends. Now, I'm not sure if the statement, a friend loves at all times, a brother is born for a time of adversity, is a comparison or a contrast, okay? So, I don't know whether he's saying that, yeah, friend loves at all times, and man, when you get into trouble, when life crashes in, that's what the adversity word means, your brother shows up, your sister shows up, your, your family shows up, and that would be a comparison. But it might be a contrast, you know, because some of us would confess that we feel closer and rely more on our friends than our own family, right? Our families have disappointed us. So maybe it's a contrast. A friend loves at all times, but a brother is born for a time of adversity. My, my mother used to say that the only person I ever fought with was my sister. She's 11 years older than me. She won all those fights, but I'd still fight with her. So I'm not sure if it's a contrast or a comparison. I kind of lean towards the contrast. I just think cultivating friends is so important and such a blessing. A friend loves at all times. There's consistency in the love. It's found in true friendship. It's the kind of love that Joseph had for his brothers. You know, in Genesis 50, you intended it for evil. You, you sold me into slavery but God intended it for good. 
or the friendship of David and Jonathan. This is such an amazing friendship. Jonathan is indeed Saul's son. He is supposed to be the heir to the throne, but he knows David's going to be the king, and he has a close, intimate friendship with him. Or how about this? This is, this is a good example. Ruth with the Moabite woman with her mother-in-law. Imagine that, her mother-in-law. Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you, Naomi, her mother-in-law, or to turn back from you. Her husband had died, her father-in-law had died, and they were in Moab, and now they're going to go back to Israel. Don't urge me to leave. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. It's such a great statement of loyalty and love and, and, and what a true friendship should be like. A friend, a true friend loves their friends. Secondly, a true friend remains through all circumstances in life. They remain. They don't leave. They don't abandon. They don't run away. They're available, and they're there. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. You can have a lot of acquaintances. <laughs> you can have a lot of acquaintances. But a friend, there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Wow. A unique, valuable friend who sticks closer than a brother. Many of us have had unreliable friends who led us into ruin. We've experienced that. So we choose our friends carefully. Pretend friends are not reliable. They lead to our undoing. And we get more wounded by their lack of loyalty. But a friend sticks closer than a brother. Interestingly, here is the place where the word friend, translated friend, is one who loves. One who loves sticks closer than a brother. It's like glue. The love is the glue that you hang together, you stick together, even when the circumstances are difficult. And what a blessing that is to have friends like that. They stand with us while others abandon us. They remain. They abide. Hallelujah. Third step, a true friend speaks truth into our life. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Great contrast. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. Once again, in this context, the friend is one who loves. One who really loves me is willing to wound me, bruise me if necessary. And that shows such a level of intimacy and, and trust. And, and it's one of the great blessings of friendships that are healthy. We willingly enter into accountability with each other. And we're willing to even be bruised or wounded they, the wounds can hurt like my nail. Some of you thought I've been coloring my nail. I shut it in a door. And uh, it's coming off. Yep, it's coming. Yep. It doesn't hurt so much anymore, but it, I thought about painting them all black. Well, anyway. Okay. Um, it hurts. Sometimes the wound of a friend hurts. But we're so thankful that it can be trusted if you apply this wisdom, you'll grow and mature and improve. How many of us sitting here today would say, my, a friend wounded me, and I'm better for it. 
I'm better because they wounded me. I'm better because they confronted me. I'm better because they told me the truth. They didn't multiply kisses. The second part of the phrase, enemy, literally means the one who hates you, multiplies kisses. Just sends compliments so that they can take advantage of you. See, that, that's, that's what's underlying that. In contrast, a friend will even wound me if necessary. Friendship has opened the door to this sincere accountability. Here's an example of it in the church. Um, Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, and, he, and he had, this is the second letter, and he says, even if I cause you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it. Though I did regret it, I see that my letter hurts you, but only for a little while. Yet now I am happy, not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to repentance. For you became sorrowful as God intended, and so were not harmed in any way by us. The goal of confrontation is restoration. It's not just to get it off my chest. The wounding isn't like that. It's like, I want you to be better. I want you to grow up. I want you to improve. And so I'm willing even to speak the truth in love and wound you, as, as Paul talks about here. Look what he goes on. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. And we've experienced some of that too. See what this godly sorrow has produced in you. What earnestness, what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what alarm, what longing, what concern, what readiness to see justice done. At every point you have proved yourselves to be innocent in this matter. Paul was thankful that they responded as he had hoped, and they repented. And what a blessing. Again, because the false enemy just likes to multiply kisses. Here's another example in the letter to the church at Galatia, or the churches. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. Restore, set a broken bone. There's a wound, there's a need. There's sorrow, there's pain. Confront it in love, of course. And watch yourself so you won't be tempted. Many times the faults we see in others are in us. <laughs> That's why we're kind of aware of them, isn't it? Huh? And so we need to be careful. We don't want to be tempted. We don't want to fall. Carry each other's burden in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. That's such a high calling just to love each other and care for friends. So a friend really loves their friends. A friend speaks... Uh, truth into the life. The friend is there through all circumstances. So I want to ask you, who's your most faithful friend? <laughs> yes, thank you. That's the patented Sunday school answer. Whatever the teacher asks, Jesus. You say Jesus, right? But it really is true in this case. Think about it. Who is the most faithful friend? Jesus is, right? Who is the friend who loves us the most? Jesus is. Who is the friend who sticks close to us? Jesus really is. And who is the friend who always speaks truth to us? It's the Lord Jesus. Now, some of you are familiar with this symbol. It's, it's the Greek letters of the word fish. And so let me explain to you how that happened. In the first century, you find this all over the ancient ruins. They were putting the symbol fish around. Now, the letters form an acrostic, all right? So the first letter is the first letter in the name Jesus. The second letter, chi, looks like a cross like this, is the first letter in the name Christ. 
The theta in the middle is the first letter for the name for God. Theos. The fourth letter, Upsalom, is the first letter of the word for son. And the last, sigma or S, is savior. So when the first century Christians used the symbol fish, they were declaring, Jesus Christ, God's son, savior. That's who he is. That's who he is. That's who he'll forever be. And we need to remember that. We need to be so mindful of that because he calls us friends. This is the most important part of this message. He willingly humbles himself and calls you his friend. Calls me his friend. He is the Lord God Almighty, the one who saved and died for me. And he's willing to say, there's my friend, Rick John. He's willing to say that to you. We need to be careful because if we go around calling Jesus friend, we might get the misidea that we're equals. You know, I scratch his back, he needs to scratch mine. That's not the case, right? That may be true in some friendships with other human beings, but it's not the case with Jesus. He's the Lord, he's the master. It's amazing that he would say, there's my friend. There's my friend. I call him, I call her friend. So let me just tell you of a book that I've been reading that Jeff gave me actually, Gentle and Lowly. It is a book written by Dane Ortland, whose father Ray Ortland was a very famous California preacher. And he says in the book that there's only one place where Jesus Christ really reveals his heart. And it's in Matthew eleven twenty nine. I am gentle and lowly of heart. Jesus says, I am gentle and lowly in heart. Gentle. It is a word that means easy. He's not harsh. He's not trigger happy. Let's face it, some of us are trigger happy. We want to prove our point. We want to win the argument. We get pretty nasty. He never does. He's gentle. He has great power, but it's under control. He's gentle. And he's humble in heart. The word humble means I'm willing to take the low position. I'm willing to go the lowest. We're going to next week begin a study in the Gospel of Mark. And the key verse for Mark comes in chapter 10. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. And that's our Lord Jesus. He's humble in heart. He's accessible. (laughs) Hallelujah. He is exceedingly accessible. It doesn't matter where you are, what you're doing. He is available. He's never busy. He's not saying, wait a minute, don't call me. I got my cell phone turned off. He doesn't say that. Don't don't bother me. I'm with somebody else. No, he never says that. He is humble in heart. And he came to serve. And he continues to do it. And still, he is indeed Jesus Christ, God's Son, Savior. He is. His heart Ortland writes, take shape as our never-failing friend. His heart 
takes shape as our ever, never failing friend. Jesus is identified by his enemies as a friend of sinners. Yet this label gives us unspeakable comfort for those who know themselves to be sinners. You're a sinner, you're qualified. Hallelujah. He is ready to call you friend. He is ready to save your life, redeem you. Hallelujah. He is a friend of sinners. Thank God he is. Because if he was only friend of saints, none of us get in. Hallelujah. He is a friend of sinners. Unspeakable comfort. Yes, that's true. He enjoys spending time with us. <laughs> Think about it. Jesus Christ, God's Son, Savior, enjoys spending time with us. Now the question is, do we enjoy spending time with him? Are we doing that? Are we cultivating it? Sadly, a brief overview of our list of friends can be painful. We may conclude that we don't have a close friend. But in Jesus Christ, we are given a friend who will always enjoy rather than refuse our presence. Don't you love that? He always enjoys our presence rather than refuse it. You and I have fallen out of friendships. People didn't want anything to do with us anymore. But that will never happen with the Lord Jesus who calls us his friend. What a blessing. What a blessing. This truth, Jesus Christ, we're given a friend who will always enjoy rather than refuse our presence. That truth is as true as justification by faith. That's how true it is. Wow. Wow. So in John 15, he says, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Jesus didn't just lay down his life at the cross. He laid it down every day, and he's laying it down for you. He's still available and accessible for you and for me. This demonstrates his love. You are my friends if you do what I command. Oh, that's interesting. He can demand my obedience, yes, because he is Jesus Christ, God's Son, Savior, he calls me friend, but he wants me to obey him. And that's how my relationship with him develops and grows. Because guess what? He's got the best plan for my life anyway. Obeying him is a pleasure. It's a joy. It's a blessing. See, my voice is getting higher. That means I'm getting excited. <laughs> Isn't that true? Isn't that such a blessing? You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I've made known to you. He gives us more revelation. All right, am I happy to be a slave of Christ? Yes, I am. But he calls me friend? Wow. Well, he wants to reveal truth to me? Yes. Why? So that I'll obey it so that I can live under his blessing. That's skillful living that honors God. That's wisdom. That's where we've been in Proverbs. It's the same thing here in John 15. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to, so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Things will be celebrated a million years from now. Hallelujah. And so whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. We came full circle. You know, if, you, if you're going to be a friend, you love. 
And that's what it is to be a friend, is, is to love. And we're to love one another as he has loved us. And by this show, all men and women, children, boys, girls, teenagers, everybody know we really are the followers of Christ. We're his disciples. That's how they'll know it. That's how we'll show it. So some of the Puritans are quoted in this book. For instance, Thomas Goodwin, mutual communion is the soul of true friendship. Mutual communion. And that's possible. With Jesus Christ, God's Son, Savior. Yes, it is. And it's just as real as a friendship with another human being. In fact, in some ways, it's even more real. Richard Stibbs is another Puritan. This is some of the things he wrote on the subject. In friendship, there is a mutual consent, a union of judgment and affection. There is a mutual sympathy in the good and ill of one another. There is a liberty, which is the life of friendship. There is a free intercourse between friend, a free opening of secrets. So here Christ opens his secrets to us, and we to him. Yeah, that only makes sense. In friendship, there is mutual solace and comfort one in another. Christ delights himself in his love to the church, and his church delights herself in her love to Christ. In friendship, there's mutual honor and respect one to another. And so he concludes this great essay on friendship with these words. This is Stibbs. As his friendship is sweet, so it is a constant in all conditions. See, he never leaves. If other friends fail, as friends made fail, yet this friend will never fail us. If we be not ashamed of him, he will never be ashamed of us. How comfortable would our life be if we would draw out the comfort that this title of friend affords? It is comfortable, a fruitful, and eternal friendship. So I want to ask you, Jesus call you friend? Are you ready to obey what he says? You willing to cultivate an intimate relationship with him? You know, when you run away from him, he still pursues you. We just sang a song and said that. I love that. He chases me. He chases you. But how beautiful it is when we come together and cultivate this beautiful relationship that's real. It's eternal life. That's what it is. You know, in Revelation, Jesus gives this incredible invitation. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. He's knocking at your heart right now. He's knocking at my heart. He's saying, will you let me come in and really abide with you? Can we cultivate a relationship that's forever? That's the invitation. And whether it's the first time you open your heart to Christ or the millionth and first time, isn't it a blessing to just know that as we draw near to him, he draws near to us. We may not feel it, but it's real. And hallelujah, we cultivate this friendship. I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Jesus likes to share meals together. He likes to feed us that food that will last forever, the drink that's last forever. And that's the beauty of the invitation. Now, before we close, I want to remind you that if you're looking to cultivate some friends around that church, it just doesn't happen in this room. Jesus had a strategy 
of small group ministry. We call it the 12 apostles, right? And if you want to grow in some friendships, I encourage you to join a life group. If you've never been in a life group, join one. I have a life group. One of my life group friends was here the first service. He knows me better than you do because we share meals together. We pray together. And it's a beautiful thing. And so if you've never had that intimacy that you're looking for, why not take that step? Now this year, this, this uh, fall, we're going to be looking at some material. Most of the groups have agreed to this. Wisdom 101, walking with Jesus in a wacky world. <laughs> so, so if you'd like some good instruction, some good encouragement, um, if you join my life group, we eat a meal. I mean, not all the groups do that. Most of the groups meet every other week. But they're all over the place, and they're all different locations, all different times, and I want to encourage you to check that out. Cultivate a friendship. But the premier friendship is with our Lord Jesus Christ. Dear Lord, thank you for being a Savior who not only demonstrates your power in dying for us at the cross and rising again, but your power in pursuing us in relationship. And we are so blessed today as we sit here confident that you have saved us because we cried out for mercy, and that's what you do. When we cry out for mercy, you give it, and you give grace to the humble, and you're always accessible. Hallelujah, that you love us more than anyone will ever love us. Hallelujah, Lord, that you stick with us through every circumstance of life. Even if we run away, you pursue us. And Lord, thank you that you share truth with us that sometimes is wounding, but it's helpful. Lord Jesus... Hallelujah. Jesus Christ, God's Son, Savior, calls us friend. Amen. You've been listening to audio from Fellowship Community Church in Centennial, Colorado. If you'd like more resources or want to support this ministry, please visit www.fcchurch.org.